It's that time of the week again. You are about to participate in a great adventure. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop? What the hell do you think you're doing? It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris. Oh my God! As they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. I wouldn't do that if I were you. It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth. It's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. As well as the music of today. Excuse me while I whip this out. So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Who are those guys? Digital Kill the Radio Star starts Come on, quit stalling! Hello everyone and welcome back to the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. I'm your host David and I hope everybody has had a, uh, a good week and is still being safe out there. Uh, Chris is uh, sitting this one out, but I have a, a capable uh, guest this week to help me out. want to tell you to first follow us on Twitter at Digital Killed and like our Facebook page, Digital Killed the Radio Star Podcast, and our uh, Instagram under the same name as well. So one of the things Chris and I have talked about a lot on this podcast is the, the people we've gotten to meet uh, by doing it. And um, um, we've become friends with a lot of people. And the same thing has happened with my Black Crows podcast, State of America. Uh, and uh, one of our earliest supporters of that is a is a lady by the name of Kate Thompson, and she's been a big supporter of the state of America. And uh, she was on a bonus episode with me and Ian, and um, uh, we just kind of hit it off with her. And she's just a big music fan, like the rest of us. And so um, I've kind of been wanting to do something about Aerosmith, and I know they're not exactly one of Chris's favorite bands. So uh, whether the, rather than bore him with uh, with doing an Aerosmith episode, I reached out to her. So. Welcome to the podcast, Kate Thompson. Hey, David. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Kate, uh, you're obviously a big music nut like us. Is uh, the inability to go to concerts right now, is that killing you? It is killing me. It is killing me. It feels like I'm missing a part of like my happiness, like my soul's hungry. I wish <laughs> it was, you know, you know, you know that feeling. Well, yes. as, as of this recording... I should be on my way back from the Black Crows concert that I was supposed to be going to see last night. Oh, in my meeting, I know. In my meet and greet. Don't even, don't even. We can't get, we can't go down the Chris Alley right now. You can't distract me with Chris. So his, so his lawyers are safe from having to file a restraining order for a while, right? Yes, he is safe. He is safe from me for a little bit until I meet him next year because I'm not, I'm not getting a refund. I'm You're just, not? I'm gonna, I'm riding it out. I don't care. I think I am and going to see what the, the new show, the new schedule for the new shows are. Um, the reason I picked the one I did, it's about seven hours away. It's up in the mountains where it's a lot cooler than uh, yeah. than here in the summer and it's outdoors. So I didn't want to go out there and, you know, it'd be extremely hot. But um, I'm going to wait. Right. And, I'm going to see, like, when they reschedule. But they haven't announced anything yet. And I've, you know, I'm, um, I don't know. I kind of have my doubts whether there's a possibility it may not be in 2021. 
Um, don't say that. Please. Well, there's there's <laughs> there's not enough there's not enough venues and dates for everybody, and right. at some well, at some point they're going to have to prioritize. You know. Yes. Well, I heard I heard rumor, and I can't remember where I heard it from, but that there was a rumor that they were going to take them out of the large venues and put them into smaller venues. That would be good. I think that would be fantastic. You know my feeling on it. I think they should have toured as Brothers of a Feather and kind of done it that way. But, I mean, Shake Your Money Maker anniversary is huge. It's, They're looking for yeah. the big bucks. They are looking for the big bucks. <laughs> Lots of child support. I'll, I'll be the one to say it. I know. Yeah. But, yeah. All right. Yeah. So the topic this week is Aerosmith. And I know you became a fan of the Black Crows because of Aerosmith. Right. Because you went to an Aerosmith show. So, I guess, take us back. How did you become a fan of Aerosmith? So, um, it was 1979. I was seven years old. Um, after speaking to my sister, my mother was very sick back then. Mm -hmm. And they had tickets through a family friend um, who was associated with Aerosmith. And they got tickets to Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And I, they were needed to watch me. So, they took me. And I went to see Aerosmith. I was seven. It was in the middle of a snowstorm. I remember it vividly. And I, we were like second or third row. She said that we went backstage. I do not remember that. And Stephen hit the stage and probably two or three songs in, he passed out and knocked one of the amplifiers over. And that was it. I was seven and I was hooked on Aerosmith. I was a, I've been a big Aerosmith fan. So was that the Night in the Ruts tour? It was Night in the Ruts. Night in the Ruts, 1979. Does that, Ruts, does that explain some of your picks that you're going to have here in a few minutes? It, it does. Um, it does explain some of them. But I've seen them uh, grand total time 23 times. Wow. I've seen them. Since 1979. Nine, 1979 to 1994, I saw them 23 times. What? I've met the band two dozen times. Really? Yes. Uh, it was the... It was the 1986, it was Worcester, and I was brought, we were backstage, and we had seen them in Providence, because we would go like back to back, because the family friend would get us tickets mm -hmm. when they were local, and we were backstage, I'd seen them in Providence, and Stephen kind of walked backstage and kind of like looked over at me, because I dressed like him, <laughs> and um, I'm a big Stephen Tyler fan, and uh was Worcester and he came over and he started singing woman of the world to me. Did you faint? And then he kissed me. And you haven't, you have you, you haven't washed your face since. Huh? No, this whole part of my face. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, it was, I, the band, I mean, in this day and age, I don't want to like give ages or anything, but it, they definitely lived up to the hype that they were. They were definitely everything that people thought they were. Plus more. There was a lot of debauchery backstage. So you, great. so the first time you go to see Aerosmith, they don't have Joe Perry. Uh, no, 1979, he was there. It was shortly after okay, that okay. He, he left. I believe it was that Stephen passing out uh, that caused, that started the ball rolling. But the wives were all fighting back then and all that nonsense It's interesting because I'm, I'm not all that familiar with A Night in the Ruts. And so I was doing some research on it this morning because you had so many songs off of there. And that's one of the yeah. things I was reading was there was a problem with the wives. And, right. Uh, and, so uh, Joe Perry was m married to a woman named Alyssa. Mm -hmm. um, and Stephen has this love of Joe Perry that some people think is odd, but I kind of get it. If you like follow, 
he didn't have brothers and Joe was very charismatic and Joe and Stephen kind of craved that. And Joe married this woman, Alyssa, and she kind of put a wedge. She did put a wedge between them. So Stephen then found a woman that Alyssa didn't like and married her, who was uh, Cindra Fox, who ended up being Maya Tyler's mother. And there was a big brawl backstage and milk was thrown all around. And that was it. That's it was shortly after that's I saw funny. Him. I would think something other than milk would be thrown around backstage in an Aerosmith fight, but that's funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, something else white being thrown around. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was the wives. It was the wives, and it was you know just Stephen and Joe and that tumultuous relationship, that toxic twin relationship that they had, that kind of just spilled over, and the wives kind of fed into it, which is very unfortunate. And then Joe left and started uh, the Joe Perry Project. So and then Brad Whitford left. So you've seen them 23 times. What was your favorite show? My favorite show would probably be the Back in the Saddle tour, right? Fresh out of rehab, when they all came out of rehab. Um, it was Mansfield's. Mm -hmm. um, and it was it was amazing. They would do, when, I see, when I've seen them, you know, early 80s, mid 80s, before, um, before Done With Mirrors, they started promoting Done With Mirrors, they would, there would be a black curtain and you would hear that drum solo to Back in the Saddle start, and it was just electric. And Steven was, oh, he just would own the stage. He is, in my opinion, the greatest frontman American band that so, there is. So that would be right before they did Walk This Way, right? No, Walk This Way is 70... No, I mean with, uh, with Run DMC. Oh, yeah, that was 86. Okay. Yeah, that was 86 with Run DMC. And so, and, and so when they came back before that, they still weren't doing the kind of business they were doing before. They were almost like a club band, right? Right, right. When when Perry left and then Whiff, Joe Perry left and did uh, the Joe Perry Project, then Whitford left and did Whitford St. Holmes, they brought in um, a, what a, Jimmy it? Crespo and Rip, Rick Doofy. Yeah. And they couldn't even sell out. They were barely selling out Boston clubs. And Aerosmith in Boston is like the New England Patriots. They're like beloved. Right. So they couldn't even sell them out because it was just so bad. Stephen was so deep into drugs. I, I, I saw, you know, him pass out a few times. But yeah, you couldn't even sell out clubs. It was bad. So you're not you're not that far from Boston, are you? You're I mean, you're on like Connecticut, Rhode Island border, aren't you? Right. Now I am. But yeah. originally I'm from Natick, Mass. Okay. I'm from right outside Boston. Okay. And Aerosmith, um, Played Natick High School. I was too young for that. Whalen High School when they were when they were just starting out, they were very big in that area. Very big band. Not and, not for not for seven year olds, but yeah. Right. I still keep proper parenting. Uh, yeah, I was about to say like I wish I, I know I'm I'm still upset with my mother. Um, I was fourteen or fifteen. Yeah, I think I was fourteen. And uh, uh, Memphis had just built this really nice big arena called the pyramid and it looks like a pyramid right on the mississippi river and the first concert that was ever going to be played there was guns and roses on the use your illusion tour and memphis, yes. memphis was about two hours away from where i grew up and my mother wouldn't let me go and it she turns wouldn't. out that guns and roses didn't even take the stage to like two in the morning some of the people that i know that went like got back at like seven in the morning so i, I guess she may have made the right decision, but uh, I still. Oh, my mother would have let you go. My mother would have been like, "Here, here's some money. Go ahead, go." I know. Had Don't it be been Axel. had it been up to my dad, uh, 
he uh he probably would my dad's a big rock guy my mom one time she goes i went to a rock concert one time when i was young and i go who she goes the carpenters and i was like mom that's not my dad just kind of like rolls his eyes you know that's not a rock concert yes dear that's a rock concert (laughs) the carpenters that's Uh, great i would have loved to seen the carpenters to be honest with you really oh yeah i love i love all music except for like country but even then if it's on and it's got a good groove to it i'm fine with it I, I just love music. I can't go down the country road. I feel like I'm the only person in the South that doesn't like it. But, like, you get in a car with somebody and they have it on, like, especially, like, this, like, current country stuff. I just want to put my head in a wood chipper. I'm like, this is, <laughs> this is absolutely, this is absolutely terrible. All right. So, by looking at your um, picks, you're not a big fan of uh, Latter-day Aerosmith. Is that true? It's not true. It's not true. But the, the, the stuff after Pump... Just it, it, we discussed this on the crows. It was just it just became too commercialized for me. It, they're great songs because I reviewed them getting ready for this. But the gritty, deep cut stuff has always been my go-to Aerosmith. It's my my favorite album is Get Your Wings. It's controversial. Everyone says it's Rocks, which Rocks is a great album. But Get Your Wings, um, probably because Stephen sang Woman of the World to me is my favorite album. It's just, it's full of good, deep, deep music that they, you know. Well, I, I think I'm a, I'm a few years younger than you, and I, I grew up, um, I got into music, like, I was born in 76, and um, I got into music really early, like six or seven, kind of like you, um, and started asking my mom for, at the time, cassettes, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I guess I would have been about 10 or 11, and we were at like our, I had a, a, my third and fourth period class was basically PE at school and they'd let people play music over the, the, the loudspeakers or whatever. Yeah. And some of the older people were playing a song and I went, what is that? I've never heard that. And it was Angel because uh, Permanent Vacation had just come out. Really? And so I'm like, who is this band? They're like Aerosmith. And I was like, oh, I really like that song. And, and so I went out and bought the cassette for Permanent yep. Vacation. And then I think it was my dad or somebody I was like, oh yeah, they're an old band from the 70s. They're like washed up. And uh, I'm like, no, Dad, like Angel, like it's the it's the cool new thing. And he's like, no, really, they're they're from like the '74. And so then yeah. I went back and listened to it. And I'll be honest with you, at the time, I wasn't old enough to appreciate what I was hearing. I was, you know, I was into the Poisons, the Def Leppards, the right. Motley Crues, and like, you know, Angel f- falls more in line with that than it does Back in the Saddle. Right. And so I got Permanent Vacation, and uh, I remember just loving that album. And I'm like, oh, these guys are really good. And of course, you know, at that point, that's when they really started to gain all this momentum. And then Pump came out, and that was the first CD I'd ever bought. I was getting a CD player. I was actually I was getting a really huge, really nice stereo for a, a junior high kid for Christmas. And so I had saved up my money, and my mom was like, "You can get two CDs to go with it." So I got Aerosmith Pump. That was my first one, and then I bought uh, the Rolling Stones Steel Wheels. And Pump, for whatever reason, just really hit me, and, and I loved it. I, it's my favorite. It's my second favorite Aerosmith album outside of Rocks. Really? Yeah, I, I love it. Rocks. I, and, and I agree with you. You know, the the Pump album started to have a lot of that sheen on it. It was mm. a little a bit more Pump. Now, there's some songs like F-I-N-E and Monkey on My Back and stuff like that that harken back to that time frame. But then you had like What It Takes and Other Side right. and stuff like that, which was a little more pop. And then uh, Get a Grip came out, and you know it was huge. You had those. I liked Get a Grip. Three I, massive. It, I, I did too, 
but I don't find myself going back to listen to it very much. If I do, I, I love Walk On Down, the Joe Perry track. That's my favorite yes. Joe Perry song. Um, I love um, Crying. I don't know. There's something about the, the, the melody of that that I don't care what they're singing. Oh. It would be great. I totally agree. <coughs> no, Get a Grip and Pump, they're great albums. They really are. I mean, um, there's just really good songs on it. Pump is a good album, and I'm not saying it's not, and Get a Grip is a good album. But it it didn't have that gritty Jop, Joplin feeling like the other ones did. Do you know what I mean? Like well, that did, dirty, they, at gritty. That, at that point, they don't sound like the American version of the Rolling Stones. No. Um, no. Now I'm going to say something. I'm about to lose a lot of street cred with the Aerosmith people. I actually uh-uh. like the song Jaded. I love Jaded. Jaded. Do you? Jaded almost made my list. Jaded is great live. Stephen can kill Jaded to this day. To 2020 he can still kill jaded it's he's got a voice but if i'm gonna be real i what i didn't make my list because hey man jerry almost made my list right that came closer than jaded no jaded's a great song you remember them playing that on the super bowl with like justin timberlake and all them and britney and, spears uh, britney spears with the aerosmith shirt on yeah, yeah and she I was, threw up a little bit of my mouth yeah yeah she can't sing at all all right before we get to your top 10 a couple more questions what did you think of the last album? No. I thought it was extremely disjointed, inconsistent. Yes. And I feel like they were trying to hit, they were trying to cover too many bases on it. They were we, trying too hard. We want to like, let's see, there's one song on there that I really, um, love her a lot. I love that song on there. I do love her a lot, but again, it just, it just, it doesn't feel right. It just doesn't they feel right to They were trying to be contemporary on some of it. Mm-hmm. They were mm-hmm. trying to appeal to teenagers, I think, with some of it. And then they were trying and to, she... you know, appeal to their old fans. And I, I've read where Joe Perry said he doesn't think they're ever going to do another album again because he's like, we spent all that time on that. And, you know, there's it's a waste of money and time. I heard him say, we may do a thing where we release like two songs at a time or something like that, you know, as an EP. Mm-hmm. But I was really looking forward to that because it had been so long. They'd been through all of these like health problems. And, you know, I, I know there was a huge conflict in the band about Steven being on American Idol. Yes. And, and, and they get through that. And I'm like, they're finally going to focus back on Aerosmith. But that album, after about two or three listens, I was like, I was just very, very disappointed. Yeah, I'm, I'm nine lives and on. I, I, I said pump, but get a grip is good. I, I always forget about get a grip. Nine lives and on. It's I always go back. It's their their old stuff is just it's just too good. So where do you rank them in American rock bands? I think they're the I think they're number one. I think they're they lay they, they laid the foundation for American rock. I think they're the greatest American rock band, in my opinion. I think think they're the American Stones. And if you had to pick like what you would call classic rock, like if you're doing a Mount Rushmore and you have to put like, we did this on one of these episodes and I'm pretty sure this is who I picked. I think I picked, I tried to go each different genre. For rock, I I think I put um, Aerosmith. For alternative, I think I put R.E.M. For Mm -hmm. metal, I put Metallica. And then Mm -hmm. I... I may have put Tom Petty. I think it was Tom Petty. It was like if I were going like this is American, you know, rock music or whatever. But they've always had that Stones comparison, obviously, because they came out at the time the Stones were at their creative peak. And the, the Stones, I like to call it that 70s Stone swagger yes. where it was just uh, almost like drunken ball, uh, bar room, you know, sloppy rock. 
And, I uh, love drunken ballroom sloppy rock. It's my I favorite. Do, I, I but I too. have to interrupt your mm-hmm. Mount Rushmore because I have a problem mm-hmm. with this. Where are the crows? Here's why the crows don't get up on on, on there for me. It's, I have to sit back. Mo, Go mo, ahead. No, it's because of influence. And okay. they're, they're going to... I think, I mean, the Crows are obviously my favorite band of all time. Like, it's yep. the Black Crows and then it's everybody else. Like, right. the Stones and Pink Floyd are like number two or number three, depending on the date. But they're a lot further down. The reason that they're not is that there's never going to be people say they really influenced them all that much. Because, because people are always going to say they were the Faces slash Stones ripoff, which they weren't at all. That, and, no. Um, we're actually about to record next week an episode of State of America where we're going to have a guy that's a professional music journalist on. And we're going to talk really? about the legacy of the Black Crows and where do they fall in, you know, and, and why, oh, why do they have the reputation they have and like, are they underrated or overrated? No, if it, if it were truly up to me as far as like my favorite bands, they're on there and they're up there above everybody else. But you're never, you're, you're never going to hear bands now going, oh, I listen to the Black Crows. And that's what influenced me because they're going to say, no, it was the stones or it was the faces. Whereas, right. whereas Aerosmith was the only American band really playing that kind of music to this level. And then mm-hmm. obviously Metallica took thrash metal into the stratosphere and, you know, Tom Petty is Tom Petty. Nobody dislikes right. Tom Petty. If you dislike Tom Petty, you need, you need to, you need to, you need to go get help for something. I don't know what's wrong with you, but something's wrong. You know, I and, love Tom Petty. I didn't say I didn't like Tom Petty. And, I was just wondering why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then R.E.M. took alternative music to the mainstream. Um, yep. And, you know, they blew up. And, of course, you know, like a lot of, the, you know, the Crows, the R.E.M. was their favorite band growing up, you know. Right. And, so. and, st- and when Chris, and I was thinking when you were saying this, Chris always refers to Aerosmith and R.E.M. And, the Stooges. Right. Yeah, they're, they're into all of that. But nobody's ever going to say the Black Crows influenced me. Which Beca- is sad. Right. Because, because music's changed so much. That's, that's what's sad about it. Well, and so many people think they're a derivative band because of the first album. And as you and I know, once they got past Southern Harmony, they were their own beast. They, oh, they, okay. they were there, there was nobody else like them. All right, so Go I got to ask you this. Go ahead. All right, let's say you've never met Steven Tyler. Okay. You walk into a room. There's two people there, Chris Robinson and Steven Tyler. You can only go talk and hug one or kiss or whatever. Who would it be? Who do you think it's going to be? Chris. Absolutely. <laughs> I love that man. I love that man. It's it's wrong that I'm this old and I love him. I love Chris Robinson. <laughs> Ridiculous! I think he is just such. I think he's such a beautiful soul. I, I'm one of the saddest. One of the saddest parts about us <laughs> about them canceling this tour is, I was really looking forward to seeing your mugshot. Because <laughs> you know, I'm. I have got bail money set aside. I. Oh, Chris is. It's on like Donkey Kong. If he <laughs> listens to your podcast, he knows I'm coming for him. And there's gonna be a picture of me, like Can from I... my Twitter picture, is gonna be up there and be like, "Keep this woman away from me. She's gonna hurt me." He has listened yeah. to State of America. I do know that. I know he has listened. I know um, he has. So uh, if he listens to yours, he may be like, we got to have extra security guard whatever we're in the Northeast. Security. Yeah. You know, and he, and Keep that woman away from Chris. She's going to hurt him. And he's newly married. So, uh, you know. Oh, I'll change that. I'm just a new Kate. <laughs> just think, he doesn't, have, he doesn't have to change the Katie Deer song. He's already got it. Here That's I am. true. Here That's I am, true. baby. All right. So in your head, was that song written for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just, I'm just the new Kate Robinson. I'm just in the waiting. 
Oh what man! I actually went to one of the shows. I went to. I think she was standing on the side of the stage. I can't. I, I'm pretty sure on that. Yeah. So I think I've. Yeah. Uh, I think I've seen her. All right. So yeah. obviously the topic this week is top ten Aerosmith songs. Uh, I don't know if you ranked yours or not. I didn't rank mine. I uh, did. Okay. If you want, if you want to go by your ranking. All right. So what I thought we do is obviously you're the guest. You go first. We'll um we'll let you. We'll, I'll just throw it to you and you can talk about each one and I'll chime in when okay. where I see fit. So my my number ten is probably the most underrated Aerosmith song. It's uh, "Lightning Strikes" off of uh, "Rock and Hard Place." Joe's gone and Brad Whitford's gone, but the lyrics and the and the harmony because I'm sure you now know this. Stephen writes all the lyrics back then mm-hmm. prior and writes ninety percent of the music because Stephen's a classically trained pianist because his father was, mm-hmm. and he started off as a drummer in a band and he could play any instrument. So he technically kind of puts it all together in the, in the beat. And I love lightning strikes. Love that song. All right. So this, this album was the last one without before Joe rehab. and Brad and before, uh, done with mirrors, right? Correct. This is the album. This is when it all started to fall apart. They couldn't sell out a club. Uh, Joe's falling apart on Joe Perry project He's now sees that his wife is a troublemaker and he's divorcing her. Steven's divorcing his and managers got involved and said they just need to be back together. Even the two replacement guitarists said these two guys need to be back together. This is ridiculous. Steven's passing out on stage. Joe's in financial ruins. Then it all falls apart. And Steven ends up like in a gutter in New York, strung out on heroin with it out of his mind. So they get him back together after this album. Yes. So we could say this is like literally their low point. This is this is Stephen's low point. If you ever see the video of Lightning Strikes, Stephen is so gaunt, his eyes are even more sunken in, and he his hair's like shaved because they said he passed out in something and had to get it out of his hair. He, he looks like a mess, but it's a good song. All right, I so love the song. I'll be honest. This is a song, I, I, Night in the Ruts up until Permanent Vacation, kind of a dead spot for me. I don't know a whole lot about them, so I, okay. I made a a playlist last night of the songs that you had that I didn't wasn't aware of and th- this one was on there yeah i like it it's a good tune yeah it's a good tune it, it kind of gets you I, I i like it the whole um you know week ones will retreat i love i love how steven has the he can really rhyme he can really get in there with the lyrics i love steven's writing and my next one is combination which is off rocks and that is a killer song and again it's not walk this way or back in the saddle, which I feel bad that I didn't pick the hits, but to be true to myself, that's not on my playlist. And this, I like um, this song yeah. is amazing. Uh, that the, the intro, the way it starts off, they're already in like the groove, yes. and it's just it's just dirty down and dirty rock and roll. Dirty, dirty rock and roll. And when it when he says, "My heart says no, but my heart says stay." Oh, I love I love his lyrics. They're like my favorite. Now on on uh, the vocals, it sounds like they may have double recorded Steven Tyler, and he's he's singing harmony with himself, or is that Joe Perry on the background? Steven sings harmony, but uh, when it's live on tour, it's Joe in the background. That's why I understood it and I've read it, but yeah. that doesn't mean it's true. Yeah, absolutely love this song. Yeah. Can't go wrong. Yep. Then my next one is SOS, which is off Get Your Wings. And I love SOS when it goes Stagecoach Lady, Hourglass Body. It's a killer song, and it's not very well known. No, you know? it, no, it's it's not. And th- some of those, to me, 
this is going to sound, may sound bad, but I think a lot of times on those 70 songs they released as the singles, they picked the wrong things. That's what I always thought. Because like, like Combination I, and SOS, those should have been out there. Those are gritty, like I, like you said, drunken ballroom songs. Those are great rock songs. Like I, and, I, I don't enjoy the song Back in the Saddle. I, I have never, I have never liked that. And I'm like, there were other, there were other songs they could have picked. You know that that were better than that, and hmm. if I go back and listen to '70s Aerosmith, I don't really listen to a lot of the hits. I'm kind of like you. Me either. Me either. I'm not. But I like the I like the story behind "Back in the Saddle" and how they recorded it in that warehouse in Waltham, and they strapped because there was no machines back then. They had to strap tambourines to Steven Tyler's legs. And that's where the noise comes from because there was no machines back then. So they had Stephen in cowboy boots with bells on the sides and tambourines on his inner thighs. And he's making that noise. And it's just, I just, and he's on um, a piece of plywood, I believe, because there's video of it. And literally my father's, where my father grew up in Waltham, was two buildings away. And he got him on a piece of platform, uh, plywood, and he's dancing on it with tambourines strapped to him. I just think it's cool. I just, I love that. How funny! Cool. How funny! Uh, how funny is that, huh? It's funny. I did stuff like that. I think it's funny, like sweet emotion. The fact that uh, Joe's got that the voice box. I think that's so cool. You know, because it's all pre-machined. I hate machined music. I'd rather hear Mick Jagger sound like crap than hear Justin Bieber come through a. Right. I just. I'm right. not a fan. I'm the same I'm just way. Not a fan. So after SOS, I have to go to the original Aerosmith, Aerosmith album. And this was hard because I like somebody, I like I like all that, but I went with Make It because Steven's story behind Make It is really cool. When he goes, good evening, people, welcome to the show. That's what he used to practice on in the apartment on Commonwealth Ave in Boston when they all moved into that little tiny studio apartment and they all stole meat out of the A&P grocery store and just stick it down Steven's pants to get food. Make It was the song that they wrote um, when they when they when they were going to make it, and Stephen practiced that. And so, if you bought this album in when it came out in '74 or whatever, and you 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 just like the cover of it, let's say you like the cover of it, you never had to listen to it. This is the first song you would ever hear from Aerosmith. Yeah, which is uh, the lead song, and obviously they made it. They made it. They, they made it. it. I mean, I again, I feel bad not putting Dream On on there, but it's so overplayed. Great story because Stephen wrote it when he was what sixteen or seventeen, on you know before he even met Joe, or Tom or any of them. But it's just, I don't, th- I don't think these songs are appreciated for what they really are. And make it, I think, is a killer song. Dream owns one of the ones I think's way overrated. It's kind of like she talks to angels. It's kind of like she talks to angels. It's kind of like uh, ACDC shook me all night long. Like it's so yeah. overplayed and. The thing that frustrates me whenever they play like on some of these shows, it's one of the ones they go to to have quote unquote global appeal, you know. I hate that. And yeah. I'm like, just you know, anyway, it, yeah, it's just yeah. I, I think it's bad, overrated. Yeah, play rats in the cellar. Don't play that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, so then it would be no more, no more off of Toys in the Attic. It is a, it is a great, great song. They the 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 way they come in with the drums. I'm a drum person, and I love No More, No More. I think it's a great song off of Toys. And Toys has a lot of great songs on it. I think it's an underrated album. I, I De- love Toys. Depending on the day, this is my favorite Aerosmith song. 
Really? Mm-hmm. Depending oh. on depending on the day. And I I'm one of these like set list geeks and, and, and um when people are touring and the last ten years this one's gotten played a whole lot more than it did before that. Again, I haven't seen them since, you know, ninety four I actually that's not true. I did see them in I think it was two thousand two, but I brought my kids because I want to make sure my kids understood like good music. Mm-hmm. This is really bad music out there. Um but there was nothing really special about it. But they did play some. They played some good stuff. But it was in like eighties, right? Seventies. So then we get into my top five, and my top five are always my top five, which is Chiquita off a of Night in the Ruts. That song, oh, that song is amazing. I and Stephen used to wear Chiquita banana stickers on his hands way back in the day. I used to wear Chiquita banana stickers on my hand. I used to sing Oh Chiquita. I love that song. It's a great song. It's very underrated. Night in the Ruts again. Uh, Night in the Ruts. It's one I think I had passively heard before. Uh, Like I said, uh, after Draw the Line, I'll be honest with you, my knowledge is not not that great. But yeah, I I, I liked what I heard. Yeah, it's a good song. And then um, off the same, because Chiquita and No Surprise kind of go together. And No Surprise, I love because... They talk about Oak Clive Davis when they were found at Maxis, Kansas City. Um, it's a great song, no surprise. They talk about that whole thing when they were found by Clive. I thought that was, I think that's a great song. I think it's very underrated. Um, and you know the story behind when Clive found them. I think it was, what, two weeks after that, he found Springsteen. And they promoted Springsteen more than Aerosmith. And I'm a big Springsteen fan now, but back then I used to hate Springsteen. Like, I hated the Stones. I was like, oh, people say they're like them. and Yeah. But yeah, No Surprise is a great song off of Night in the Ruts. My third is Adam's Apple. It is such a good song on Soft Toys. It is a great song. It's got a great beat. It's got great lyrics in it. I love Adam's Apple. To me, you could pick basically every song off Toys in the Attic and Rocks, and all of them would be fine. Yes. And this one, this one, this one's great. Um, it, uh, I think this is like when they were, to me, they were at like their creative peak on those two albums. And they, I think it's when they had finally identified who they were and they Mm -hmm. went, and they went with it. And I always enjoy it when people finally figure out who they are and go with it. And to me, the music is better at that point because they weren't trying to necessarily appeal to everybody. Right, they weren't they weren't trying to become what the last album was. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They're just being who they are, that raw gritty. I love it. And then my second is Three Mile Smile. And it's off Night in the Ruts. I didn't realize how many are off Night in the Ruts. Oh my goodness. You either had three, you either had three or four. I have a lot. One, two, three, four. Oh wow. Yeah. So not, so Three Mile Smile is a great song. <clears throat> the whole thing about it is fantastic. Take a walk in the norm, warm New England sun. It is, oh, I love Three Mile Smile. Did you the, like it? Yeah, I did. I did. I, all the ones that you picked that I had either not heard or hadn't paid attention to, I enjoyed. Oh, um, good. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was. I thought it was really good. And then, obviously, you've got your number one, and I think you've already said yes. what it was. Is it all right? Had Steven Tyler not sang this to you, would it be your number one? Y- yes. Yes, it was. It was it, uh, "Woman of the World," is in my opinion the most underrated Aerosmith song by far. There, you can't even find it live on YouTube. They didn't even play it in Vegas. They played like six seconds of it in Vegas. 
You cannot find any li um, live clips of it because they don't really play it. It is such a great song. You know, she sits 44 at her dinner table. She wears big eye cats. She's got coats of sable. That song is my anthem. I love that song. Just like Girl from Pawn Shops, my <coughs> other anthem. Yeah. I love that song. All right, of the world. So that was your number one. Give me, give me three honorable mentions. Three honorable mentions. Oh, here we go. Seasons of Weather. Sweet Emotion. And You See Me Crying. All right. So obviously You See Me Crying is a ballad. So that yes. I, we would say that's probably your favorite Aerosmith ballad. What's your favorite Aerosmith ballad from Once They Got Back? Because that's kind of what they became known for almost as their ballads. What It Takes. Yeah, that would be mine too. I didn't even, I just, it, I usually just say what the first thing that comes to my mind, it would be What It Takes. I love What It Takes. It was a good it, song. It was, so, good song. it was so original having the accordion and the way they mixed it, the drums are so big uh, on, mm. on that album and the intro and... I liked it the the live version on that uh, South was it called South of Sanity or something like that the live yes. album where they start off uh, acapella and then the drums kick in on like the second verse um, mm -hmm. I love that I, I agree with you I think that's their best one once they got back I love Angel I was uh, just gonna I, say I, Angel I love crying. is up there uh, What are your thoughts on I don't want to miss a thing I like I don't want to miss a thing really? I've never seen the movie I've never seen the movie with Liv in it I liked the song. Um, it was definitely overplayed, but you know they were making money and they were being recognized. And it's kind of like you know Chris on Tiny Desk. As long as they're getting recognized and people are starting to listen again, that's all I cared about. So people were listening. They're like, "Oh, I, I you know," I'm like, "Oh yeah, no, you don't know combination." Just really. No, uh -uh. But that's cute. That's cute. Yeah. All right. So my top ten, and they're in no order. I think I may have gone in chronological order from by looking at it. Uh, number one is Sweet Emotion. Uh, this song had kind of a resurgence in the 80s. I think when they released like a box set, they may have like re-recorded it or whatever, or at least remixed it. Um, Joe Perry on the voice box. When this came out, I don't know the timeline. It was either right before or right after Peter Frampton came out. Uh, and what was the song he did with the voice box? Um, Do you? Yeah. 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 And so anyway, it was really cool to hear that. And he, he really... I mean, he took it to the next level on that song. I love the groove on it. Uh, mm -hmm. I think uh, Tom Hamilton and Joey Kramer really kind of, kind of set a just a perfect landscape for uh, Joe Perry to come in and kind of paint over it. Um, definitely, probably one of their four or five most popular songs. Every time you go see them, they're going to play it. What What are your yep. thoughts on it? I, you had in your honorable oh, mention. Oh, sweet right? emotion. Oh, I love sweet emotion. I think it's a great song. The lyrics are great. <laughs> Talk about things that nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, it's a great song. It's it really is. All right, so my next one, song. my next one is "Last Child," which obviously uh, Brad Whitford gets a lot of credit on this one. He wrote yep. it and, and plays lead on it. Doesn't play lead on a whole lot of songs. He does on this one. Uh, mm -hmm. I love the opening part of it. Um, it starts out that real slow, and then man, they get funky. And and yes, when the when the drums kick when in, when the drums and bass kick mm -hmm. in. Um, and I, and I, I'm, I really like Brad Whitford. I actually saw him. He came through here a couple years ago on the, uh, experience Hendrix tour, where it's all those famous musicians playing Jimi Hendrix songs. And, um, he doesn't get the credit that he deserves no. for his influence on the band. There's, there's, a, he wrote a lot of stuff people aren't necessarily aware of and he's solid as a rock, as a rhythm player, but he's also, if you listen to like Whitford St. Holmes and stuff like that, he is a more than capable lead guitar player. 
Yes, I agree. Brad Whitford does not get the credit he deserves at all. He, he's always been solid. And a lot of people think it's always just Joe, and it's not <coughs> just Joe. <coughs> not taken away from Joe, because Joe is phenomenal. Right. I think he's right up there with you know, some of the best guitars. But Whitford, he's, he's solid. Well, and Brad seems to be the one that... I guess you could say he's the least controversial or doesn't have issues. I mean, Tom Hamilton has had a ton of health issues that right. have plagued the band. Joey Kramer more recently has had some um, um, health issues, and then he had the that brief time where the, they wouldn't let him be a part of the band. And obviously, Steven Tyler and Joe Perry at different times have been complete train wrecks, uh, and you know, in their personal lives. But uh, you never really yes. hear anything negative about Brad, so he just seems to be kind of the uh, solid as a rock. You know, it's really kind of funny when I was just, I was looking before this. Do you, do you know that uh, Brad Whitford and Tom Hamilton are the only two that are still married to the same woman since really? this all started? Really? Yeah. yeah there's yeah. something to be said for uh, for settling down. And uh, you know, it's, it's, it's that's rare. You know, like uh, Bono is married to his wife and they got married in like 1981. You know, I mean, that's like, you know, unheard of. And I think John, oh, I, bon jo I think John Bon Jovi is the same way. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, so my next song we've talked about, No More, No More. Great song. We'll just skip over that. Then I've got, uh, depending on the day, maybe my favorite Aerosmith song, Sick as a Dog. Uh, oh. The intro to this song gets me every time. Um, and this is one I I really went back about 10 or 12 years ago and started like listening to Rocks pretty intently because of... Um, th this is on Rocks, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, this is on Rocks. Sorry. Yep. Um, I was reading, like, I read, like, Slash's book and Nikki Six's book. And Nikki Six basically says, like, had there not been for Aerosmith Rocks, I don't know if there'd ever been a Motley Crue. And, right. um, and this is when I'm like, have I've never heard this before. And this is, I believe, they when they recorded this, they all played different instruments. Yes, they and, did. And so yeah. sometimes when you see them live, they'll swap instruments. And, mm -hmm. like, Tom Hamilton will play guitar and Joe Perry will play bass or whatever. Uh, and, uh... Um, this one was one that when they got, when they reformed was completely forgotten about for a long time in the last yeah. 10 or so years, they've started revisiting more, but, uh, a deep cut, but I don't think it should have been a deep cut to me. This is one no. that should have released as a single. And, and that was all, that was all during that time frame when, uh, Steven thought that Joe was holding out on drugs and wouldn't give him drugs. And that's where sick as the dog came from because Steven was dope sick. I so. did not, did not know that. Yeah. And I think it was, I think it was like the behind the music, or whatever. Stephen talks about if you ever watch that behind the music, it it kind of can rub you the wrong way because Stephen will just say, "I loved this man and he didn't love me," and it's like, "What? Wait a minute, wait a minute." But it's it's deeper than that because Stephen craved that from him, and that's sick as a dog is dope sick. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. All right, my next one is a, a deep track from the uh, Draw the Line album. That's Kings and Queens. About, oh, so good. About the time I went back and started listening to, to Rocks more, uh, I started listening to the Draw the Line album. Uh, a very underrated song. I know amongst a lot of people that are diehard Aerosmith fans, it's kind of one of the more popular ones. Um, I think this one should have been released as a single as well. Yes, I agree. And that was, they did that at the Citadel in upstate New York. Is that what it's called? It was a monastery that they rented out and they were shooting guns and doing drugs. It's when they all found heroin. And uh, it's a great song. It's a great song. Their history is so, it's amazing. I, we talked about this on the Crows. It's amazing that they all lived because they all had their own demons. It was, it's crazy. Yeah, COVID, yeah. COVID can't, hurt, can't hurt them. 
No, they are the COVID cure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So the next song is I Think Them at Their Sloppiest Barroom Drunken Best, Ooh. and that's Draw the Line. Slide guitar, you've got Steven Tyler at the end screaming his vocals almost in an unintelligible manner. Um, yep. You got the line about Joe Perry in there, always uh, always cracks me up. Um, a lot of times they open concerts with this now. Uh, yeah, absolutely love this song. And like, if I was like going to define Aerosmith in five songs, this would be one of the songs that that I would put because Joe Perry just kills it on this. And you've got the the uh, the heart the the vocals of Joe and Stephen. This is just a barn burner and wide open, and they they never let up. And uh, the end of it always cracks me up because I would think at his age now that would blow his voice out. I know. It, I was watching something and they were doing that Vegas. They did like an acoustic set and it was his voice just is it's, it's not obviously 70s or 80s, but it's still solid. It's still better than half the garbage out there now. Right. It, it's his voice is great. Yeah, I agree. All right. So my next song is Permanent Vacation. Obviously, this is the album that was their comeback album. This one's kind of different because you have the uh, was it steel drums kind of playing like like you yep. would, like you would hear. Uh, you know, in the uh, tropics or whatever, uh, it's a little bit different um, kind of song for them. But they were at this point were a different band. They were sober, <coughs> they were committed, they were you know very creative. Um, so I always liked it. it. Doesn't get played all that much. I don't think it's been no. played in, it's in, a a, good song. in a long time. To me, it's a good song, and I always mm-hmm. kind of go back to that album because that's the album that made me a fan of them. And so mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of people like uh, are like that with a lot of things like. Uh, Let's say with the crows, if you got in them on by your side, that's by your side's probably one of your favorite albums, you know. Right. Um, but yeah, th- this one uh, I-, I love. I think it's a cool. Just I think it's it just is. kind of a cool, fun, loose song. And Hangman Jerry's off that, and it's a it's a it's a great album. Hangman right. Hangman Live Acoustic. If you ever watched them, their MTV Unplugged. Oh, I need to go back and listen oh. to that. Oh, so good. Oh, it's ridiculously good. All right, so my next one is uh, F-I-N-E off of uh, Pump. And if I had to pick any song from, (coughs) excuse me, from their comeback that reminds me of the 70s, it's this song. It's just got that sloppy feel to it in a good way. Um, uh, There's really, to me, not a bad song on Pump. Um, I, I think they did just a great job on that. And... I don't think this one was technically a single, but it, it should have been. Um, it should have been for sure. I think it was. Yeah. No, it wasn't. You're right. It wasn't a single. You're right. I don't think it was. It's a good song, though. And then also from Pump, Monkey on My Back. I'm sure this has got something to do with them kicking kicking drugs. Um, well, if you watch that MTV Unplug, Steven mm-hmm. sings the so- song very slow, and he does all the arm gestures like... Oh, it's it's great. It's all about drugs. Yeah, it's a great song. Great song. Yeah. It's got a lot of that '80s production on it, which, which on some of that stuff on Pump, I wish they just stripped a little bit of it back. But I understand why they did it because that was the sound at the time, and right. Obviously, we can't complain with the number of record sales on that. So yeah, Monkey on My Back, and then my last one, in my top ten is Crying, off of oh. uh, Get a Grip. Um, I don't know. I've I've just always loved this one. I don't know why. I know it's kind of a sappy song. Um, oh no, it's a good song, and I was crying when I. It's a great song. No, it's a good song. I just felt like if I was going to tell somebody ten songs from my experience, mm-hmm. but all yours are great. Like 
and I didn't, we didn't even talk about Mama Kin. We, I mean, there's just so much in their catalog that is, it's phenomenal. It's really is. They, they've got good, they've got good material. Well, if I had to do uh, some honorable mentions, I would do Seasons of Wither. Um, I would probably do uh, Walk On Down, the Joe Perry song. Oh, yes. Absolutely yes. love that. And then um, What It Takes. I think I would put What It Takes on there. Yep. What It Takes would be on there. Yeah, I just, I feel, I felt bad like not doing Mama Kin or Last Child. But everybody knows like those songs. I, you know, and I Ain't Got You off of uh, Live Bootleg. Oh. Yeah, we didn't even talk about Live Bootleg. One of the true live albums that you're ever going to hear. There are no touch-ups on it. It's exactly nope. as it was. I think at one point you can hear firecrackers going off in the yep. audience. Um, just a uh, a true live record. You don't get that very much anymore. And we didn't even talk about like Train Kept a Rolling. Oh, one of, one of the greatest Ke- cover songs of all time. It's ridiculously good. And Stephen tells a story about a bar in Ashland, Ashland, Mass. And they were doing Train Kept a Rolling. And the guy had a beer mug in his hand. And he's going to the beat. And Joe looks over and kind of elbows Stephen and says... The guy's hand is like half off because he's broken the beer mug. He said, that's when we knew this song was a killer. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, uh, Live Bootleg, I Ain't Got You was on there. And their um, cover of James Brown's Mother Popcorn. If if anyone listening has never heard Mother Popcorn off a of Live Bootleg, it is so good. Mother Popcorn. And Chip Away the Stone. It's, oh, that, that whole album is just such... Um, such a compile of all that good, now, good stuff. Now, Chip Away the Stone was never officially released until the Pandora's box box set, right? Right. So it was kind of yeah. like how the crows have exit and stuff laying around. It was, it was. I love exit. <laughs> it was just, it was just laying around, right? Right. It was just laying around. That's the way I understood it too. Yes, it was just laying around, and it's their exit. Yeah, it's a, it's a great song, and um, well, Kate, I've really enjoyed this. I think you've done a you've done a you've done another great job. We need we need to find some more of your favorite bands. Uh, Floyd, really? I love some Pink Floyd. Oh. Pink Floyd. If I was going to go in order, right now it's Crows. Second, Tight is Aerosmith. Floyd. Uh, oh, Audio Slave. I love Chris Cornell. Uh, I am the yeah. Highway. Allison Chains. I yeah. I'm kind of all over the place. I'm a little schizophrenic with music, but and then it would be Prince. I I, I really am all over the all place. All right, so I'd always joke. Ian and I have this joke going, kind of like that. Like, and, and there's there's another guy by the name of Jim Regan. He uh, follows us too. Ian and Jim Regan, I feel like are my spirit animals when it comes to music, and uh-huh. I think I've just added you to the the, the tribe. Oh, really? Massive Thank Alice, you. massive Alice in Chains, massive. Pink, there was like two years in my life where I only listened to Pink Floyd. Like literally, that's all I listened to. Uh, but you needed two years to absorb it all. I mean, David Gilmore. Okay, well, well, Gilmore or Waters? Which one? You have to pick one. It's very complicated for me because when I was when I really got no. into Pink Floyd. Hold on. When I really got into Pink Floyd, it was Roger Waters that was kind of the 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 thorn, the flying the Vaseline on them while they weren't getting back together. And I read the book Saucer Full of Secrets, and I was one hundred percent in the camp of David Gilmore. In the last couple of years, it's become increasingly evident that David Gilmore is not the reason, I mean, is the reason they're not, quote unquote, getting back together. So I would say, as far as like, who do I, like, I love Pink Floyd, but if I'm going to listen to solo material, it's going to be David Gilmore. Thank you. That's what I was going <coughs> to say. You made me choose between Steven Tyler and Chris Robinson. So I'm if asking you to choose between Gilmore and Waters isn't that hard. 
if it's Gilmore. I Gilmore is the talent. I, I just it's my opinion. I love David Gilmore. The, the, I think the he problem is, is David Gilmore cannot write lyrics, and Roger Waters can sing. And right. when he's like the I I like some of Waters' early solo stuff. Um, like oh gosh, I'm I'm drawing a complete blank here. Uh, off of um. Oh, the one with the TV on the front. Anyway, Amused to Death. Um, I like some of that. Now, I love, like, Gilmore's... Gilmore has some good songs in his first solo album on his second one. And then this last one had some, some good songs on it. Now, my if my favorite song of all time, any recording, is Pink Floyd on the Pulse album, Comfortably Numb. The guitar solo at the end of that, like, I don't know how you even... I would yeah. just I would just lay the guitar down and walk off stage and just be, put my hands up. It's over. I mean masterpiece. I mean it, it it gets me every every time. Oh. Yeah, we've done. Let's see, Kyle and I. My buddy Kyle came on and we did uh, Dark Side of the Moon, and then oh. we did our top Pink Floyd songs, <clears throat> and then Kyle and I did uh, an Alice in Chains overview. Uh, but uh, I'm a, and I've done a I've done a Prince podcast. Uh, I love so, Prince. So like you've hit on like all the. Yeah, all the uh, all the good ones. It, Prince was yeah, like truly a genius. He really was. And I wish though he would have had kind of an, an editor because I feel like he put so much stuff out. He's kind of like Ryan Adams. He put out so much stuff that he kind of almost flooded the market. Um, I was just gonna say he kind of just bombarded us with all this material, and it was like you have you know get off, and then you have kiss, and you have all that. It's like wait, this is a little too schizophrenic for me, but. If you, Prince is just a, Prince was a genius and another one gone too soon. Chris Cornell, the man had a voice of an angel. Chris Cornell was Lane Staley, amazing. David Gilmore, Steven Tyler, Chris, they're all, I'm a, I'm a lead singer junkie, I guess. What's your favorite audio slave song? For me, it's I Am The Highway. I Am The Highway. Have you heard Ann Wilson of Heart do her version of it? Yes, I have, and I love it. I actually, I actually ran across something. Speaking of schizophrenic moments, I saw Pink, who I, I'm sorry, do Bobby McGee. Mm-hmm. I ran across her on YouTube. She's really talented. I, I didn't know, because I, I, because I just will not, I can't delve into something else. I was watching something. Oh, I was watching Rich Robinson do a Rolling Stones song. Winter. And I. No, um, memo from Turner. You've got the silver. You got the, oh gosh. Are you kidding me? I have to now go and now download all the Magpie stuff because now I'm kind of a rich fan, and I'm ashamed of myself deeply. Easy but now. it Easy. came up. It came on. I know. Don't it tell. Don't, t- don't tell Ian. <laughs> I know. Ian will be like, "Oh, Kate's a Kate's a freaking rich fan now." Yeah. Um. So pink, this pink Bobby McGee song came on afterwards. It was so ridiculously good. I was shocked. No, I and think then I, she's I saw really talented. Lady Gaga do Rolling Stones. Um, I think it was Beast of Burden. It, it opened a new door. Well, I got right? another one that's going to blow your mind. When What's they that? did the Chris Cornell tribute concert, um, Miley Cyrus sang "Say Hello to Heaven" off Temple of the Dog. With, really? With uh, with basically uh, Pearl Jam and Soundgarden backing her. I think she got booed when she came out when she got done standing ovation. One of the most amazing performances I've ever seen. Okay, so um, it's Miley Cyrus. Doing, what, what's say hello to heaven? It's from the Chris right. Cornell tribute show. 
Um, I will look for that. Yeah, that's the that's the thing. Like, I think Lady Gaga is extremely talented. Very talented. She came out and she killed it with Mick. It was it was so good. It and was she so good. apparently is a massive like metal fan. When she performed she? when she performed with Metallica on the Grammys, if you watch like some of the behind the scenes stuff, she was like, "Y'all don't understand. This is really important to me that I get this right. Like, you know, I'm a big metal fan. So, I always always and going back to Prince, I've Ian and I've talked about this. That huge vault of material. There's got to be another guitar album in there. There has to be. Yes. That's what I want. I want another because uh, I, I think Purple Rain's a perfect song. Oh, it's beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful. My favorite is uh, Dollar Nikki. My favorite Prince song is Dollar Nikki. It's one that put I think the, it's great. One that put him on put him on the map for the, all the wrong reasons. That was controversial when that came out. <laughs> it was very controversial, and I love uh, Chris Robinson told a really great uh, Prince story that he had a poster of Prince hanging in his room in the shower and his father walked in and said do I need to ask and he said no dad and his father turned around and walked out and he said <laughs> at that moment I knew I had it <laughs> yeah it's great it's great well, well Kate as always uh, whenever we have our opportunity to do something with you uh, it's always fun enjoyable and you're just a breath of fresh air oh thank you I love doing this stuff with you I'm not as nervous as I was with the crows I'm still nervous but not as nervous we're gonna we're gonna have you back on stay from work again uh, for oh, sure. oh, are we going to discuss before the frost? Because I'm still not done with you over that. <laughs> but we will have that conversation another day. Yeah, we'll save that for the – you can chew me out on the Crows podcast. So, Kate, uh, you picked our playout song. So what's it going to be? It's going to be Woman of the World. All right. Um, she's picking that because Steven Tyler kissed her and sang it to her. Uh, so I guess we all know the way to her heart. I guess Chris, Chris Robinson <laughs> – if Chris kisses you and sings Girl from a Pawn Shop, you're in trouble. <gasps> Or cowboy smile. Cold it, it would, or, or he could send the alphabet to me. It'd be over. I'd be like, okay, bye. I'm leaving with with, with Chris. Bye bye. All right, everybody. My my big thanks to Kate for coming on, and uh, Chris and I'll be back with you uh, soon. I think we're going to do a, a topic driven podcast next. So we haven't done that in a while. So uh, everybody, thanks for listening. Here's Aerosmith, Woman of the World.
big eyed cat, she got coats to sable. She sits bow to bow at a dinner table. And I'm nothing you can do, nothing you can say, no way you can try to change the way. She might be gone. 